and welcome back to another episode of Search, Ponder, and Pray podcast, where we strive to follow the Come, Follow Me outline provided by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and where we do our best to become more dedicated and devout disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hope you've been having a wonderful week, as always. Hope everything has been, I uh, hope you've been having a wonderful time uh, coming close to the Lord as we've been studying Ephesians. Um, today's going to be another short one. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, this is a fairly short uh, book in the New Testament, and the chapters are fairly short as well. Um, but yeah, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 today. But before we jump in, let's go ahead and start off with a word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this wonderful day that we have. We thank Thee for the gift of the Scriptures. We thank Thee for the many ways in which Thou hast blessed our lives and helped us throughout this week and in the past. Father, please help us now that as we study these scriptures, that we will have thy spirit with us, that we might be able to find the ways in which we can better our lives and in what ways we can help those around us. Help our hearts and minds to be open to the whisperings of the spirit today, Father. We pray for these things humbly in the name of thy son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so let's go ahead and jump right into Ephesians chapter 3. There's not a whole lot in the, in the New Testament student manual on this one today. There's just two sections, but we'll, we'll jump into those as, they, as we get to them. So, uh, like I said, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation, of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. All right, I want to take a quick little, uh, little pause right here. He talks about being a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you, for you Gentiles. Um, and it's like, okay, well, what, is, you know, what, is, what does that mean, being a prisoner for Jesus Christ, for somebody else? Now, my initial thinking on this would be, sometimes uh, you, you would hear about different kingdoms, like a ruling kingdom would take a, a, prison, a, a, a prisoner, so to speak, of this country or of this people, and that person would be the, sometimes called like the... the the royal hostage, so to speak. And their duty was to, they would live in the kingdom and they lived a perfectly fine life most of the time, I think. Um, and, but their, their job was, we have someone you love so that you won't attack us and we will take care of them and show that we're not going to attack you. We are kind of, it's kind of a, a trade a little bit that they would sw- swap in effect. But, and in this sense, I think Paul's saying, I'm, I am the prisoner of Jesus Christ, meaning I have given up my life. I've given up my, the, the things that I want, the, the, the worldly uh, ambitions that I had for the will of Christ. And in so doing, he has directed me to serve you. I am Christ's prisoner for you. I am, I am the one that has been sent to you from Christ. It's kind of just another way of talking about how he's an apostle. But anyways, jumping on to verse 5, which in, one, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and, 
prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Wherefore, I was made a minister according to the gift of grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. So that seems to be really the 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 meat of what um of what Paul is getting at here in Ephesians is that the gospel isn't meant just for God's chosen people. He's really hitting that scripture of God is no respecter of persons. For anyone who is willing to put in the work and to come to Christ, the blessings of the gospel are available. It is not dependent upon your race, upon your gender, upon any of those things. Those blessings are there. Now, of course, there are some facets of the gospel that are that are um, distributed amongst the various people in the church, like priesthood leadership. That is something that is to be done by the male members of the church or the male disciples. Motherhood. Sorry, that's a female thing. That's something the women of the church are supposed to do. Now, those two things blend together when they reach their full and true states, but they are distinct and separate roles. Initially, in any case, they, like I said, they do blend together and they should blend together as, as we achieve a more celestial state. We should be achieving a point where the priesthood yes, is held by the head of the family. And yes, motherhood and nurturing and rearing the children is primarily done by the mother, but they should be shouldered together. The husband and wife should be equally yoked in the marriage. Moving on to verse 7. Wherefore, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Okay, so there's a little section in the New Testament manual about um, the mysteries of Christ. Paul wrote about the mysteries of Christ that had been revealed to him. Here, mystery refers to sacred truth made known by revelation. The mystery Paul wrote about is that both Jews and Gentiles can become heirs of the gospel covenant through Christ. This was a doctrine that in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. Paul taught that all those who become follow, follow who sorry, Paul taught that all those who follow Christ take upon themselves his name and become his seed and heirs of the kingdom of God, just as the Book of Mormon teaches. These teachings are are evidence of Paul's sincerity and humility. His prayer for the Ephesian saints was that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith and that they would come to know and love, to know the love of Christ. So this is, you know, this is something that we should obviously look at and see that Paul has made some some great advancements (laughs) as an individual, being someone who was staunchly, um, a follower and a devout follower of the Pharisees and of of the, the Mosaic law, he would never have considered the idea that the Gentiles should be on the same plane as the Jews. That that was that's an unthinkable idea. And here he's not only allowing it, he's promoting the idea. 
And this should tell us, this is a question we were asked, I was asked once, um, specifically regarding Paul. And the question was, can people change? Can people change? And my cynical nature jumped to the fore originally and said, no, people can't change. And then as I thought about it, and I thought about Paul, and I thought about Alma the Younger, and I thought about all these different people that are good records that indicate that, yes, people can change, I altered my answer. No, people cannot change on their own. Dennis Prager, um, a notable podcaster and political pundit, and I don't know all the different things you could label him as, but um, one of the things he says is that it's impossible to be good without God. Without a supreme being to tell you what is good and what the law is and how to be a good individual, you can't be good. And that's a little something you can chew on throughout the week. I, I, the more you chew on it, the better it tastes, to be honest with you. But honestly, in my opinion, people cannot change without the help of Christ. The power of the atonement through Jesus Christ is what enables us to become better and greater individuals, to leave our old lives behind. Without that enabling power in our lives, it is fairly impossible for us to change. Without that drive to become a better person, why would we change? Why would we become better individuals? Why not continue on the path of eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die? If we truly want to have change, meaningful, lasting change in our lives, we have to couple it with the power of Christ. We have to walk hand in hand with the Lord. And oftentimes, we have to let go of what we think we want to become. Because the direction and the path that Christ has for us is the better. The better for us, the better for our family, the better for all those around us. And it's difficult. It is, it's not easy. Until we learn to let go and give that, give that, give that back to him, give that choice back to him. Verse um, 9, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known the tr by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he proposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. All right. The New Testament manual, the last little section here, talks about in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 11 through 12, Paul taught that through Jesus Christ and our faith in him, we can have boldness and access to God with confidence. The word boldness can be understood as confidence in the presence of God. Because of the Savior in this life, we can freely approach God and 
God the Father through prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. And in the next life, we can enter God's presence with confidence. That right there should be one of the, the a blessing that should be on the top of our wish list, the things we're trying to achieve. To be able to walk back into the presence of God and with boldness, with the assurity and the, not the arrogance, but the assuredness, the faith, the, the trusting that we have come to a point that this is where we belong. To have that confirmation of the Spirit within us. This goes back a little bit to what we talked about a couple days ago, about the, the sealing power of, of the Holy Ghost, about having being sealed up in our covenant to the Lord. Moving on to verse 13. Wherefore, I desire, if ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that, you, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abun exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ, by Christ Jesus, throughout all ages, worlds without end. Amen. Uh, I think I changed. Yeah, that should be. So that it's world. Um, but then in the Doctrine and Covenants, if you click on it, it takes us over. That, and they shall be servants of the Most High, but where God and Christ dwell, they cannot come worlds without end. So it, it, I think it does kind of lean, lead into the idea that it should possibly be worlds without end. Um, but that is, that is the truth of it. That is the sum and total of it, brothers and sisters, that as we pray for each other, as we deepen the well of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, as we do those things, we become rooted and grounded in love. Not the whimsical lust or the whimsical love of the world of, oh, you guys, I love you guys so much, whatever. No, it's, it's actual Christ-like love for the individual. Love that surpasseth the cultural and worldly trends. And that thereby we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. I pray that we'll be able to obtain that. I pray that this week we will seek for a portion of that. That we will do our best to bring ourselves to a space where we can come closer to the Lord, where we can feel of his love. I testify that as we do so, that will be one of the most important things we can do, is to deepen our faith. And sometimes deepening our faith can mean serving others. 
doing his will, doing his work, doing what we know we should. If you think about what do I need to do to build up the kingdom, you'll probably have a thought come to your mind. It probably won't be something that you really want to go do at the moment, but I promise you that if you go do it today, you will be blessed. You will have a greater outpouring of the Spirit with you. I testify that these things are true, and I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.